We are considering the power that is resonant in the small days of our life. We are in an interesting season where all of the big days that we had circled on our calendars have been taken away. They've been removed. They've been postponed. They've been canceled. No graduations to gather at and celebrate. No big trips to go on. No sporting events that we can look forward to and attend. So what we're left with are all of the small days. Days when it's just us in our homes, working, and us in our homes trying to figure out what project to work on next or what to do next. And by now, we're getting kind of tired of all of these small days. We're used to leapfrogging over the small days from one big day to the next, enduring these small days in between. But while we circle the big days on the calendar, God circles the small days and says those are the days that are really important. Because it's in those small days that our lives are actually built one day at a time. The theme verse for this series is Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. And in that verse, God asks this question. He says, who despises the day of small things? Now, the right answer, of course, is not us. We know that's the right answer. But the honest answer is kind of us. We do this. We wake up most days with far less excitement and far less purpose than on the dawn of a big day. If it's a big day, and we've been looking forward to it, we have no problem getting out of bed. We have no problem bringing energy to that day. But on the small days, because there's so many of them and they're so common, it's really easy to lose motivation. Now, God created us to be daily creatures. And part of what that means is every 24 hours, most of us get some sleep. And whenever we wake up, we are starting a brand new day with a brand new set of opportunities, a brand new set of decisions, a day in which we get to decide what we're going to think. We get to decide what we're going to do. We get to decide what we're going to feel. And it's all of those cumulative decisions that end up taking us somewhere in life. And if we're not intentional, if we're not clear about these small days, we're going to end up in places where we wished we hadn't walked to one small day at a time. So we're looking at the daily decisions that we make when no one but God is looking, those decisions that end up shaping our future. Today we're going to look at the decision of daily prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, we read this, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Three items in this verse. Be joyful, pray, and give thanks. The frequency God wants is always, continually, and in all circumstances. In other words, at least daily. Now, two of these items are attitudes. They are joy and gratitude. One of these items is an activity. It's a discipline, and that is prayer. Now, the activity of prayer is kind of like a key that unlocks the door to joy and to gratitude. We can't just drum up the attitude of joy or the attitude of being grateful. We need to pray in order to unlock that door and move into the realm of joy and gratitude. Now, prayer tends to be a big day activity for most of us. We pray when we're in big trouble and we really need God's help. Or we pray when we have something really big that we need to thank God for. But God's will for us, this verse says, his will for us in Christ is that we pray continually, that we regularly pray, at least daily. Now, Daniel is one of the characters in the Bible that I think is the greatest example of the importance of daily prayer. 
Daniel lived around 600 B.C., and he was a Jewish slave who rose up in prominence under the king of Babylon. Now, I grew up hearing all about the story of Daniel, particularly the lion's den part of the story. And honestly, this was my favorite story. I loved hearing about how God rescued Daniel from a den of lions. And that was, I think, honestly, probably the biggest day in Daniel's life. At least that's the part of the story that always stands out in our minds. But it wasn't until I read the entire book of Daniel as an adult that I noticed the secret to Daniel's life. Here it is. It was his pattern of daily prayer. Prayer makes every day bigger in two important ways. First of all, prayer connects us. It connects you to the bigger plan. Small days end up having a small impact unless they are attached to a bigger plan, to a bigger purpose. Prayer is that act of attaching this particular day, as small as it is, to the eternal plan of God. Now, it doesn't get any bigger than that. In chapter 6, we find out that Daniel has so distinguished himself that the king has decided to make him the number two guy in the entire empire. Now, his political rivals did then what political rivals do now. They tried to find some dirt on Daniel that they could use to discredit him and lower his career and advance their own careers at his expense. But they couldn't find any dirt on the guy. The only weakness that they could find was that Daniel prayed to God three times a day. So they cooked up a plan to destroy Daniel based on his discipline of prayer. They got the king to pass a law, making it illegal to pray to any god other than the king for the next 30 days. Now, the penalty for doing this was to be thrown in the lion's den, which was the worst death sentence of the day. Here's what we read in Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. Now, when Daniel learned, learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So Daniel's the number two guy in the entire empire. So first of all, he knows what these guys are up to. You can't pass a law without the number two guy knowing all about it. So my question is, couldn't he have just taken maybe a 30-day break from prayer, knowing that this law was only in effect for 30 days? Or why not just pray at night, maybe in a secret place for the next 30 days? He could still pray. Why go to the room that they all knew that he always went to? And then when he heard them coming, why did he keep praying? I mean, you know that he heard them. We are told that there were 119 of them. You don't miss 119 guys trying to sneak up on you. Daniel heard them coming. He knew what was going on. And it says that these men went as a group and found him praying. So what this says is prayer was not optional for Daniel. His rivals must have investigated Daniel well enough to know this fact. They must have seen obstacles arise in his day over and over again. But still, three times a day, he prayed. They had to observe the demands that were placed on Daniel's life, the demands that he faced as the number two guy in the biggest empire of the day. But still, three times a day, he prayed. They had observed Daniel long enough to know that nothing was going to get in the way of Daniel praying three times a day. And they were right. Even under the threat of death, Daniel was not about to disconnect his lifeline from God. 
For Daniel, prayer wasn't just an optional add-on feature to his daily life. Daniel knew that prayer is what connected his life to the great plan of God. It's so easy for us to be consumed and distracted by the details of our own lives. And we end up spending our days thinking and worrying about our to-do lists and our problems and our agendas. But something is bigger that's going on around us. It's always bigger than us, God's plan is. So we're busy working on our plans, but God is busy working on his plans. And these two plans don't occur in separate realms. They are connected. God's plans are kind of like an overlay on our plans. This is why our plans are hit and miss. Sometimes our plans work out, a lot of times they don't. And that's because God's plans, which always work out, are overlaid on top of our plans. God's plans never fail. Now, Daniel had seen most of the plans that he had made in life fall apart, only to see God's plans emerge. As a youth, Daniel had been taken from his family by the conquering Babylonian army. But then he had found favor in the eyes of one of the king's key servants. And that, in turn, led to a surprising rise in power and influence for Daniel. Now, that's not something that Daniel planned. He could never have planned that career path. I mean, who would plan a career path that involved a conquering army and captivity into slavery? That's not a plan. That's a disaster. Only God could pull off something like that. I believe this is why Daniel prayed three times a day, to remind himself that whatever he was currently planning, whatever he was currently facing, was subject to God's larger plan. Now, prayer tends to be an afterthought, or maybe something that we do on the fly, or when we've come to the end of our plans, not something as consistent as what Daniel did. And that's because we tend to view God as part of our plans, rather than us as a part of God's larger plan. A daily prayer plan, like what Daniel had, is a consistent reminder of the bigger plan of God. None of us planned for our years to go the way they have. I mean, I had a week of vacation planned for the week the virus shut down everything. And I'd really been looking forward to this break. But then, all of a sudden, life just got busier and crazier than almost ever. I'd really been looking forward to that. Now, I know many of you have experienced much more loss than just a few days of vacation. You've maybe lost a job. You've lost money. And the future looks dark. But it is not dark. For this reason, God has a plan. If it is just you and your plans, and it is just the government and their plans, then the future is pretty scary. But if God is real, and if his plans are good, which they are, then we will look back on this season and marvel at the good things that God did in the middle of this. But right now, the problem is we can't see it. So that's why we pray. We close our eyes to pray to the God that we cannot see in order to put our trust in the plan, his plan, that we cannot see. And it's as we pray daily, like Daniel did, that we decide to join and make our small days to be a part of God's great plan. So the conspirators arrest Daniel. They catch him in the act of praying. And the king has no choice because he signed the law. He has no choice but to throw Daniel into the lion's den. 
And the king's words to Daniel just before he's lowered into the den are interesting. This is what the king says. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Serve continually. Now, you've probably heard the next part of the story. I already mentioned it at the beginning. At first light, the king rushes to the den, and as he approaches, he yells in an anguished voice, and this is what he says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, and here it is again, whom you serve, not occasionally, but continually, been able to rescue you from the lines? And the answer, of course, is yes. Now, what happens next, I think, is even more amazing than God sparing Daniel's life out of the lion's den. Here's what we read in Daniel 6, 25 through 27. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, may you prosper. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So what this means is that everyone from Ethiopia in Africa all the way to India, this is how broad the Persian Empire was at this time. Because what started as the Babylonian Empire became the Persian Empire. Now this is in the Persian period of time. And everyone from Ethiopia to India... Here's the king, who, by the way, is regarded as a god at this point in history. This king tells every one of them that there is, in fact, only one true God. Just imagine the impact of that edict. Now, if Daniel had not prayed continually, this would never have happened. If he had taken those 30 days off, this would never have happened. If he had decided when hearing the 119 men come to arrest him that he was going to stop praying, this would never have happened. But three times a day, Daniel prayed to God and submitted his plan to God's great plan. And then on one day, God used Daniel to send a message to the entire civilized world at this point that he is the one true living God, the God of Daniel. The second thing that prayer does is prayer also connects us to the bigger struggle, connects you to the bigger struggle. Life is just a struggle. We struggle to make ends meet. We struggle maybe to find the right person to marry. And then once we get married, we struggle to to build and to keep that marriage together. And if that marriage falls apart, well, then we struggle to rebuild our lives again. We struggle to raise kids. We struggle to avoid disease, to avoid death. And given all of the struggles that we face, it's really easy for us to perceive our small days as just one of the many battles in the ongoing struggle of life. But it turns out there is a bigger struggle going on in the background. And it's a struggle, like the bigger plan of God, that is also overlaid on our lives. It's woven into the daily details of our lives. We just can't see it, kind of like God's plan. We see this larger struggle, this bigger struggle, in Daniel chapter 10. In this chapter, Daniel has prayed to God, and he's asked for help. And as often is the case, after we pray, we don't see anything and we don't hear anything. So this is now three weeks later, and Daniel is walking by the river with some friends, and he sees an angel of God appear to him. Now, those who are walking with him do not see the angel of God, but they do sense his presence, and his presence is so powerful that they run away in fear. But Daniel sees the angel and stays. 
And this is what the angel says to Daniel. This is Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Speaking of this prayer that Daniel had prayed three weeks earlier. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to me, came to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. What is this describing? It turns out that Daniel's simple prayer three weeks earlier had ignited a cosmic battle. In response to Daniel's prayer, God had sent a messenger, an angel, this messenger. But it turns out this angel, this messenger, had met resistance. From who? They are described as the prince and also the king of the Persian kingdom. Now, this can't be Darius, who was the king of Persia at this time. It can't be his son because the fight was with an angel. This was in the invisible realm that this fight took place. What this is referring to are the two beings, the two demons, that apparently are in charge of running the Persian kingdom on behalf of Satan. Now, they lead the effort to advance the lies that have kept so many people in Persia from knowing the true God. In fact, their power is so massive that God actually refers to them as the real but invisible king and prince of Persia. The idea is these beings are the puppet masters. They are actually animating the real king and the real prince, the visible ones. But they are the power behind the face of the king and the prince of Persia. So what happens in this struggle is God sends in the big guns to help this angel. He sends Michael, the archangel, to help this angel of God break through in response to Daniel's prayer. And it turns out it still took three weeks for this breakthrough to take place. Now, this is amazing. I pray, and often after I pray, I look around and I wonder, huh, I wonder if that did anything. But on a few occasions like this, God peels back the curtain on the unseen world to show that our prayers are, in fact, no small thing. That our prayers are a part of the struggle, the bigger struggle that is behind every struggle. Now, why is prayer this powerful? Why would our words spoken to God make any difference in this unseen battle? It's because this battle is not about land, it's not about politics. It's a battle for our hearts. It's about us. Not our physical lives, of course, but whether or not in the middle of our short lives we will decide to declare and live out an allegiance to God. And so when we pray, we are engaging in that real, real struggle. We are declaring our allegiance to God in the middle of this struggle. We're getting down to the very one thing that we can control in the middle of any struggle, and that is whether or not we will obey God. There's so much we cannot control. This is the one thing we can control. So what happens on earth is often first played out in the unseen spiritual realm. This is why it's so helpful and so important to start our days with prayer before we undertake the unknownness of the day and we face its uncertainty. We engage in the real struggle that's behind the visible struggles. There is an unseen battle that we don't fully understand. But it turns out that without a breakthrough on the invisible battlefield, nothing significant and helpful will happen here. 
And prayer is a powerful way for us to engage in this invisible struggle that animates all of the visible struggles. Now, the global struggle right now, the visible struggle right now, is against this killer virus. And in a crisis like this, what do we all tend to turn to at this point in human history? Well, let's take a look. At a time when things are most uncertain, we turn to the most certain thing there is, science. Science can overcome diseases, create cures, and yes, beat pandemics. It has before, it will again. Because when it's faced with a new opponent, it doesn't back down, it revs up, asking questions till it finds what it's looking for. That's the power of science. So we're taking our science and unleashing it. Our research, experts, and resources, all in an effort to advance potential therapies and vaccines. Other companies and academic institutions are doing the same. The entire global scientific community is working together to beat this thing. And we're using science to help make it happen. Because when science wins, we all win. So the visible weapon in this current battle is science. Now, I personally am very grateful for science. Science has been a tremendous blessing on humankind. And I really do hope that treatments will be found and found soon. But I also believe that before science can win, there is this unseen battle against the forces of evil that must be won. So I don't just hope that the virus will be defeated. I pray for it. I ask God for help with this. Now, it turns out the Daniel battle that we just read about was not some show put on by heaven for effect. This was a real fight, a real battle. The messenger sent to Daniel didn't anticipate the opposition that he was going to face from the spirit of Persia. This is why he was hung up for so long. And it sounds actually like he was losing. The angel of God was losing until Michael came in with help. That is what real warfare is like. This back and forth, this uncertainty, this, this challenge. And what this means is when we pray, when we engage in this unseen battle, it's a real thing. It's not just words spoken into the air. It's a real deal. This is why I don't just pray generally. I don't just say, God help, or give me a good day, or I pray specifically. And that's because wars are never fought generally. They're fought on specific terrain. And so, for example, if I'm praying for my wife, I don't just say, God, would you help my wife? I pray specifically for what my wife is facing and the struggles that I perceive that she's facing right now. I do the same thing for me. I don't just pray a general prayer of God, help me today. I get specific on what I really need help with. I do the same for many of you. I do the same for this church. I do the same for this city. So let me suggest a daily prayer plan. I'll call it the PPP plan. We've heard a lot about the PPP plan, and what that means now currently is the Paycheck Protection Program. But this is a little different PPP plan. What this stands for is the Prayer Protection Program, and each P of the three stands for a category to pray about daily. So here's what I would recommend that you do daily. The first P stands for problems. And the question here is, what are you struggling with? 
What's a problem that you're facing? Ask God for specific help with specific problems. You see, it's as we close our eyes and pray about the deeper struggle, that's when our eyes are opened up to this struggle behind the struggle. The second P is people. Who are the people in your life? What are they struggling with? Get very specific and ask God to help them. And then ask, God, is there something I can do to help? Is there a role that I can play in helping them? And then do that. And then the third P stands for praise. The question here is, what can you thank God for? Now, it's really easy for us to come up with things that we can complain about, things that we're upset about, but what is something that you can thank God for? In my experience, as I begin to think through and then thank God for things, that immediately begins to open up joy in my heart. It's one of the quickest ways to joy. Like I said, prayer is that key that unlocks joy and gratitude. So I have a couple next steps that I would encourage you to take this week. First of all, is put prayer on your daily calendar. If it's not already on there, put it on your calendar. Uh, Pick a time and pick a place, just like Daniel did. It doesn't have to be three times a day, but pick a place and pick a time, and every day this week, pray at that place at that time. And then I would secondly encourage you to use this prayer plan, this PPP prayer plan. Just think through these three items and pray about these items. Let's pray. Father, we admit that to us, prayer tends to seem often like the the last option when all else has failed. When in fact, Daniel is evidence of the fact that prayer is our first and best option every single day. I pray that you would help us all grow in this practice of daily prayer, of bringing our plans before you and your plans, and submitting our plans to your plans, and then engaging in the battle that is beyond the struggles that we face, and entrusting you with this battle. Father, we pray for protection for our families, for ourselves, for this church, this community, and we pray protection for the people of this world from this virus. God, we pray that you would grant that this would turn quickly, sooner rather than later. We'll trust whatever your plan is, but we ask that you would act. And we pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.